Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Good morning. How's everyone? Do you feel refreshed? I do. I feel refreshed. Uh, love time in the, in worship. It's just been actually fun. I've loved this. Stripping it back, guys. Getting back to more simple things. And uh, this morning we thought it'd be fun to go a little old school. Who grew up in church? Just curious. No right or wrong answer. A few of us grew up in church, not everybody. Uh, I grew up in a pretty traditional church. And the church I grew up in, they call it high church. Uh, They have a lot of traditions. They would always open with a reading from the word. And I always do it myself, but I thought it'd be fun today to have uh, Araya read the word to us. It's going to be a longer passage, but the scripture says that we should allow God to renew our minds renew our minds by the washing of the word. And so that's what we're going to aim to do this morning. And so Aurea is going to read from Luke, Luke, the book of Luke, uh, verse chapter 24, 13 through 34. It's going to be on the screens, or if you have a Bible with you, go to Luke chapter 24. Let's hear the word of the Lord. That same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Uh, I want you to notice something. Go back real quick to, uh, I think it's verse 16. Could y'all go back to verse 16? You'll notice that it says, and while they're looking for this, you'll notice that it only says one of the people's names, Cleopas. Do you notice that? Do you know why it only gives one person's name? 
So back in ancient times, uh, when you were writing an account, you were writing a history, uh, the, most, the most powerful testimony for what's happened was the firsthand account, okay? And so when you're looking at the validity of Scripture, it's a 2,000-year-old text. One of the things, one of the proof texts we have is what they would do is they were naming their witnesses. They were citing their sources. If you're going to be an academic now, if we're looking for sources, we go to the library, right? But back then, what they would do is they would give the person who had the firsthand account. Why is this significant? So Luke would have used the name Cleopas. You see that? Because the people who got this account could have gone and talked to Cleopas about what happened. You know, there's no reason if you're making up a fiction, you don't only give one name, right? You don't leave names out. That doesn't make any sense. You know, there are so many reasons. There's so many proofs within the scripture that it's valid, that it came from God. And it's the story of Jesus. Amen. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you speak to us through it. Uh, Jesus, we honor you here in this church. And we ask for this next few minutes that we have together. God, that you'd speak to us, you'd equip us, and you'd get us ready for our week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, y'all, we are in our summer series. Uh, It has been a fun couple of weeks. Um, Back at church, right? We were doing church online. Y'all remember church online? Some weeks we're still doing church online. It's still going. Uh, Any weeks that we can't be here. And uh, something for me that is very important to me is that you guys know how to walk with Jesus. Not just how to hear about Jesus, not just how to attend church on Sunday, but you know how to walk with Jesus through your life. Because here's what we know. We might not be able to meet in church next week, right? We're all aware of that. Blink at me if you know. (laughs) Can't see your faces. Uh, We may not be here, but the church is not a building, but the church is a people. The church is not a building and a place to gather, but it's a people who carry the message of Jesus. And so I've got a couple of questions for you. A couple of questions. Uh, First question, have you ever found yourself starting a Bible reading plan, but you're totally unmotivated to finish it? Has that ever happened to you guys? Okay, it's never happened to me. Let's keep going. Uh, Have you ever found that in your pursuit of God, you find yourself almost crushed by your inability to live up to God's standards. Maybe even your own standards. Have you ever been intimidated by the idea of personal holiness and living to please God? Again, I'm a pastor. I've never experienced any of these things. No, right? No, we've all experienced this. And I hope this morning as we unpack this that maybe I can give you some things from this text that are going to help you uh, have more peace in your life, more success in your devotions, and a deeper relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, some of y'all know uh, I have got a daughter. Her name is Georgia. Uh, She's the cutest baby in the whole wide world. Come fight me after church uh, about it. It is a fact. You can check out my wife's Instagram, uh, at Callie Elise, if you want to see just how cute she is. Go ahead. Get it out right now. I'm fine if you want to look at it. Uh, But one thing I've noticed about Georgia, Georgia loves to climb. Is that a normal baby thing? That's a normal baby thing? Okay. So Georgia climbs on everything. I mean, everything. Like the coffee table, she'll like throw her little stumpy self up and like try to kick her legs. And so if we leave a pillow or anything on the ground, she's going to try to like step up on that on her tippy toes. And then she falls, you know, and cries and we got to come pick her up. You know, one time I caught her, she has one of those little walkers, you know, I'm talking about where they learn how to walk. And uh, I caught her stepping on one of the wheels and like the wheels moving. I picked her up off of it. What I know and what we know as parents is that kids will stand on anything to try to get what they want, right? Isn't that so true about us as well? Isn't that so true in life? 
So often we try to stand on things that were not designed to hold our weight. We try to stand on things that were not designed for us to build our life on. We try to build our life on relationships. You know, here's the truth. Whatever is the most important to you, whatever you give authority in your life, some of you guys say, I, no, nothing has authority in my life. I, I do what I think is right. Well, let's talk about that. If you do what you think is right, you become your own authority, or you think you do. But think back in your life. When you were 12, you did what felt right, right? And then you were, when you were 15, you realized you were an idiot when you were 12. So immature. And then when you're 18, you do what feels right. And then you get out of college and you're like, man, I'm glad those years are over. I had no idea what I was doing. Then you get in your late 20s and you're in a career and you're like, man, when I first started this career, I didn't know anything. I made so many mistakes. You know, it just continues. You get in your 30s. You look back at your 20s. I'm sure when I get into my 40s, I'm in my 30s for those who are wondering. I shaved yesterday. I know that <laughs> brings out the youth. Um, but as you go through life, you continually look back, and if you are your own authority, you're going to continually be let down by the decisions you make. Y'all, this is why the scripture is so important. It's so important for us to believe, and we're going to spend a whole uh, sermon on this later. I don't have time to get into all of it. But us having the scripture as the authority in our life actually gives us emotional stability, and it gives us stability in every area of our life. Why? We don't have to wonder how to make some of the decisions we need to make, we get to go to the guide. We get to go to the word and it overrides our feelings. And that is good news. Everybody say good news. Because if you seek power, seeking power will become the authority in your life. If you seek relationships, relationships will become the authority in your life. If you seek money, money will become the authority of your life. And here's what we know. When we lose those things, our foundation cracks. And that's why it's so important to have a relationship with Jesus. That's why it is so important to study the scriptures, to know the scriptures. So I've got three points this morning that I'm going to go through. The first point is going to be we need God to open our eyes. Second point is we've got to stand on the solid rock of God's grace. And my third point is we must live our lives in pursuit of pleasing him doing his will and living fulfilled lives. So point number one, we've got to ask God to open our eyes. Go to Luke 24, 31, and 32. Luke 24, 31, and 32. It says, suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared, and they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Yo, we can go about our lives blind to the things that God's doing, right? Have you ever gone through a season of life, and you looked back, and you're like, oh my gosh, Look how God was working in our life. You know, I think we should make it part of our life's pursuit to know where God is working in the seasons we're in. Now, it's an unavoidable part of life. We don't know all the things that God is doing, but we want to seek those things. So let's talk about devotions. I'm in a reading plan right now. Guess what? I got behind. This morning, I had to read four days to catch up, okay? I got behind. But so often, I found when I start a new discipline, it's like dragging a rock uphill. Anybody else experienced that? Like you start reading the Bible again and it's been a long time and it's like, man, this is boring. <laughs> Would rather be reading the news right now or on Instagram. Why did I wake up extra early for this? But here's what I found. I'm telling you all, maybe you all aren't like me. Maybe you're better Christians than me and just immediately it lights up for you. But what I found is that it's in the consistency 
And it's in when I start going to it every day. And then I'll find myself a few weeks in and it's like, boom, the whole thing lights up. Things start ticking. Why is that? Because when you're in relationship, you've got to spend time with somebody to get to know them. You got to spend the time around them to get to know your, their heart. And I think Jesus is showing something in the way that he works. Again, I'm conjecturing right here in the scripture. You can take this or leave it. But I think Jesus is showing us that sometimes as we walk with him, we don't see what he's doing. But if we're consistent, we're going to be able to look back and see all the amazing things that God has done. I'm telling you all, for me, when I go through those dry seasons, and I've been through some dry seasons in my life, I always look back and I can see the areas where God was working. Just like they said, didn't, it, did, didn't, didn't we feel like our hearts were burning within us? Like I look back and it's like, this is where God was working in my life. So the first week of our summer series, I talked about prayer. Do you all remember that? If you haven't been here the past few weeks, I'm going to recap it for you. What was the challenge I gave in week one? Not Callie. Well, five minutes a day of prayer. And so what I encourage you guys to do, and you can still do this, you can pick it up this week, set a timer on your phone, pray for five minutes, y'all. I, I got this advice from a friend of mine years ago. I was frustrated with somebody. Believe it or not, pastors get frustrated. Uh, I got frustrated this morning, right, Callie? I did. I had to repent. Uh, and he said, man, take, take the timer, set the timer and pray for five minutes and then call that person. And I was like, shoot, this is a great discipline. This is something I can put in my life. You can add time, but at least you spend five minutes in prayer. Just focus prayer. Last week, Dwayne, where's my man Dwayne? What's up, Dwayne? He's in the back with the cool Yankees hat and the muscles. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Dwayne talked about discipline. Uh, Dwayne talked about discipline. He sp- spoke specifically about discipline in the Word. And so last week we kicked off a, a summer reading plan. Actually, it's not a summer reading plan. It's a 365-day reading plan. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that. If you missed the email, uh, you can email us. Where, Callie? Uh, downtown at newlifechurch.tv, and we will send you that reading plan. We want to help you guys get consistent in the Word. So prayer, devotions. But I want to read a quote to you. It's from uh, Eugene Peterson. Have you all heard of the message paraphrase? This is the guy who wrote the message. This is what he said. He said, the praying is a joining of realities, making a live connection between the place we find ourselves and the God who's finding us. The place we find ourselves and the God who's finding us. I think that's a beautiful quote. That's a beautiful description of prayer. Okay. Uh, You know, something else I've noticed is that the thing that switches for me The thing that switches for me in my devotions, it's almost always a fresh revelation of the grace of God. Like it's never, oh, I just need to work harder or anything like that. It always starts with a fresh revelation of God's grace. My second point. So first point is we've got to ask God to open our eyes. Our second point is we've got to receive from God the gift of grace. Uh, Luke 24, 25 through 27 says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Now, this is what I want you to notice. This is what I want you to notice. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses, that means starting in Genesis, and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So that means that these guys got a from beginning to end explanation from Jesus himself how the Old Testament points to him. So what is this saying? This means that Jesus is saying everything that happened in the Old Testament, everything, 
Everything that happened in the Old Testament points to Jesus. How does that work, right? Have you ever wondered about that? Because he didn't say, let's look back at the Messianic texts in Isaiah 61 or 56. He didn't say that. He said everything in the scripture points to Jesus. You know, I often hear people say they don't like the Bible. Have you all heard this? But they like the red letters. Don't like the Bible, but they like the red letters. Like, I, I, I like to read, you know, the, the stories about Jesus. I like the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Have you all heard of that? That's the part that talks about how we should treat each other. That's the way that we should live. We love the Sermon on the Mount until we read the Sermon on the Mount. Give you a couple of points that Jesus makes in the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> Let's decide how much we like the sound of this. If you're angry with your brother or you call your neighbor a fool, a.k.a. an idiot, you've committed murder. Same thing. If you look at somebody with lust, you've committed adultery. If your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. Like, cut your eye out of your head. Does that sound great? We like that in the way that other people treat us, right? We want other people to treat us that way. Don't be hating me. Don't be looking at me with lust, you know? <laughs> Too far. <laughs> but then we start looking at our own lives. Who could live up to this standard? One man, and his name was Jesus. Jesus lived up to the impossible standard that God set in the Old Testament, through the moral, the ritual, the civil law. Not only that, he lived up to the standard that he escalated in the New Testament. Only Jesus could live this way. And he not only kept the law, not only the law was about Jesus, but the stories. Stories about Joseph, who was stole by his brothers into slavery, but he rose into the house of Pharaoh and helped people. Moses, he was a mediator between the people and, and God. You know, David, he was a meek but mighty warrior who slayed a giant. You had Jonah, who was cast into the sea to save the sailors on the ship. Y'all listen to me. Jesus is the true Joseph. He was captured. He was sold into slavery so that he could save the people who sold him the people who heard him. He's the true Moses. He's the true mediator between God and man. He's the true David. He's the better David. He didn't just defeat the giant at risk of his life. He defeated the giant at the cost of his life so that those who were on the lines could be free. He's the true Noah, Jonah, who was cast into the sea of God's wrath and raised on the third day for all of humanity. All of the scriptures, the law which he fulfilled, and the stories that point to the great things that he would do are about Jesus. Y'all, one of the mistakes we make is we read the Bible and we think it's about us. The Bible is the story of God, and not just God, the God who loved you, the God who could do the things you could never do for yourself, because he desperately wants a relationship with you. Jesus came not because we need to be perfect, but because we needed a Savior. I'm going to skip ahead. I want to read a quote to you. I think it fits here better. It's at the very end. It's that quote at the end. It says, you're more wicked than you ever dared believe. And yet you're more loved and accepted in Christ Jesus than you ever dared hope. 
You're more wicked than you ever dared believe. You're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than you ever dared hope. Y'all, grace is the foundation for your relationship with Jesus. And if you don't rest in God's grace, one of a few things are going to happen. One, you're going to be crushed by the weight of the demand of the scripture. You're going to read things like the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to think, I could never do this. And you're going to run from God. Or number two, you're going to fool yourself into thinking you can do it, which is perhaps more dangerous. And you'll be like the Pharisees, looking down your nose, thinking you're better than everybody. Y'all, this is not a religion. This is not a following that gives the followers moral superiority. This is a relationship with God that shows us that we're flawed and that we need saving. That's the grace of Jesus. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. All that sounds a little discouraging, right? The good news is that we can live a life fueled by grace and we can grow and we can learn to please God. Why is that important, y'all? Y'all remember youth group? That's my third point. Walk with God. Make it your life's pursuit to please him. Y'all remember youth group in the 90s? Anybody remember that? Uh, Maybe, Fitch, you can tell me how it was in the 60s. Tell me if it, (laughs) boom, roasted. Uh, um, In the 90s, it was all, you got to live to please the audience of one. Do you all remember that? Anybody remember hearing that? Anybody grew up in church? You got to live to please the audience of one. You got to live to please the audience of one. And then it became, this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? Picking on poor little old Joe Dirt. (laughs) Y'all remember that? Uh, it, it became this thing that became religious. It was like, okay, then we, sh- we, we shifted, right? And it's, it's the grace of God. It's all the grace of God. It's not about what you do. It's about the grace of God. That's true. But because we've received God's grace, then we get to walk with him. And the gospel is that we get to become more like Jesus. What does that mean? We grow in personal holiness. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Y'all, this is good news. This is the good news of the gospel, that God loves you so much that he came and found you in your mess, gave you a relationship with him so that he could teach you how you're truly designed to live and you could walk in the fullness of purpose that God set out for you before time began. Psalm 147, 10 and 11. It says, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Why? Because your strength will fail you every time, but he will never let you down. He knows that. Those who hope in his steadfast love. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Finally then, brothers and sisters, we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us, you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing and that you do so more and more. John 12, 43, for they love the glory that comes from man. Y'all listen to this. More than the glory that comes from God. I think that that's become an epidemic in our world, y'all. We care about likes on Instagram or what do you do on TikTok? Do you like? Any youths in here? None of us know. Okay, cool. Uh, we live for the acceptance of other people instead of the glory that comes from God. Y'all, let's shift this. Let's care about holiness. Not in a religious way, or when we make mistakes, we beat ourselves up. No. We make mistakes, we run to the source of our hope. That's Jesus. And then we get back up. 
And we keep going, amen? Ephesians 5.10 says, try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. It's good things. Proverbs 29.25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And the last one, it's not in the notes, I'll add it for next service. Is at God's right hands. At God's right hand is joy and pleasure forevermore. Y'all listen, he loves you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, it's okay, you can walk out of here with one. Not based on your good works, but based on his unbelievable, relentless love for you. That no matter what mistakes you make, he is for you. Listen to me. Reading the book of Acts, the people who killed Jesus, it says that you were ignorant in what you were doing. And God's grace is for you. Jesus is here for you. You can have a relationship. The people who killed Jesus. I don't care what you've done. You have not killed Jesus. Y'all, God's grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. And he just asks that you come and accept the free gift of grace. So let's ask him to open our eyes to the things that he's doing. Let's build our foundation on his grace and love for us. And let's live our lives to pursue and please him. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.